Hello and welcome to the podcast, Motherhood Unfiltered, It's Going to Be Okay. My name is Nikki and I am a life coach and mental health advocate for moms. My mission is to help moms move forward with confidence as they overcome the hurdles of mental health struggles. I have personally experienced the challenges, the challenges of depression and anxiety, and I know how hard it can be to feel like you're just surviving day to day, but with the right tools and guidance, it's possible to not just survive, but to thrive. As a coach, I provide support, encouragement, and practical skills to help moms build resilience and regain control over their lives. Through my work, I have seen firsthand the transformation that can occur when moms are empowered to take charge of their mental health and well-being. So if you're a mom who's feeling overwhelmed, anxious, or just not yourself, I want you to know that it's going to be okay. I'm here to help you navigate these challenges and move towards a life where you feel confident, fulfilled, and thriving. Let's connect and get started. So, um, so I know, and when we talked in our, our, uh, early or other call, um, you said that you noticed there was something different about you when you were very, when you were young. So, I mean, what were some of those differences that, you know, um, you noticed or, you know, that was, that would set you apart from the other kids? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, I was thinking things. I thought about death a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, That was like, kind of like the main thing that is like, I had a, a self-awareness that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm different. Like I didn't call myself weird. I didn't call myself like crazy. I'm just like, okay, I'm different because right. Like it, like I, I didn't even have to ask like other kids. That's like, cause I know kids at the age of like five, six years old, they're not thinking about deaf. Like is <laughs> this, this little, little bit of common sense there. Um, but um, I was also very emotional as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt my emotions very, very strongly. Right. Um, and uh, what didn't help with that was the way that I was raised. Um, mm-hmm. I was raised to to kind of grow up very quickly. So mm-hmm. when I got to like a certain age, like this this level of responsibility was put on me. Um, I did become an aunt at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So I had like my nieces and nephews that I was always being used as an example. Mind you, I had an older sister. But <laughs> I had an older sister, but all the responsibility and all this stuff was put on was put on me from a very right. young age. Right. And it's like any time I like acted like a child, mm-hmm. like is it apparently was like you're doing that too much. Like you need to you need to relax. <laughs> I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because at that age, it's like I couldn't talk back because it's like it's it's my mom. It's my older brothers. Uh Um, So. um, So, yeah, from from a very young age, I knew that I was um, I was very different from from other kids my age. So did your family look at you and like, okay, 
this Aurora chick is totally out there in left field or that's just her. You know, they didn't realize that maybe you needed some extra help or anything or um, or you're they just thought, well, she's emotional. So they just didn't pay attention to the symptoms. I mean, how, how did that work out? I mean, do you remember them telling you? you know, okay, she's just overly emotional. Once you go lay down and take some time to yourself, you know, I mean, how did that work? Mm -hmm. So, um, um, let me start out by saying this, that in any minority community, uh, mm -hmm. mental health and mental illness is not talked about. Right. Um, and me being um, African-American myself, mm -hmm. uh, in the black community, we don't we don't talk about it. Is mm -hmm. like you, like you can ask like any person that is like my like I, I'm a millennial. I'm 27, right? So growing up being a 90s baby um, with my parents, well, with my mom, she's technically she was technically not not a baby boomer. Um, I think I think I think she just classifies a baby boomer. I'm not sure. Um, she probably <laughs> is. My mom's a baby boomer, but I mean, if they're born in I think the 50s or 60s, that's they're considered a baby boomer. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, you're right about that. I during that time, like there was hardly no one talked about it. You know, being you know depressed or whatever. So yeah, I can totally see where the the where they they just didn't say anything mm -hmm. before then they would just take you away well where does Susie q go <laughs> <You know? laughs> nobody asked they're just like oh she's not here anymore yeah <laughs> it's like, just <sighs> because growing up um the only thing that i kind of knew about depression and anxiety was from media was from television and okay. the only thing I knew about depression is just people who are sad all the time. Only right. thing I knew about anxiety is people who, who um, they think too much. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so for me growing up as a child, I was just sought as someone who is just very emotional. Right. And I wasn't really allowed to express my emotions in ways that a child should. Um, right. If anything, I was taught to suppress them, and I just yep. had to like to keep on moving, keep on, uh, <laughs> keep on pushing. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, that did definitely shape into uh, a lot of uh, traumatic responses that I deal with now. Mm -hmm. um, that when I look when I look back at it now, that I was like, oh, like I do this because. I wasn't allowed to express myself as a child. Um, I act <laughs> yeah. like I act more mature for my age because I didn't really have a childhood. I had to grow up very quickly. Right. Um, so yeah, that um, that's definitely what it had the the effect on me. So there was so no how, talk of like signs or anything. It's like they just they didn't really deal with it. Right. Well, maybe they didn't reckon. Maybe they didn't realize it was a sign. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, if you don't know anything about it, except the general sense of what you see on TV, I mean, Lord, I mean, TV doesn't even show you correctly 
at, you know, when someone is sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that you work with kids. So do you see, have you seen or seen anything that you see yourself in them? Like, oh my, okay. So oh, maybe yeah. you do. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, how do you handle that? I mean, I've been calling their parents. Hey, I hate to tell you this, but this kid needs some help. <laughs> um, I do not have the the official authority to call the kids' parents and say, "I think your parents need. I think your your child needs um, needs a therapy." Well, maybe I, maybe um, I wouldn't think you do that, but maybe you could be like, "Okay, let's give little Johnny here some extra love because he he's definitely struggling," you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I see a lot of myself in the kids um, yeah. as far as their uh, emotional and mental well-being um, mm-hmm. and dealing with kids who live um, in uh, New York City where I live. Uh, I work in the right. South Bronx, um, mm-hmm. South Bronx. Well, the Bronx in general is kind of notorious for not being the safest place to right. To raise your kids, um, right. it's gotten better only because of gentrification. That has gotten better. Yeah. Um, and with the the program that I work for with the kids, I work with fourth and fifth graders. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of social emotional learning. Um, and a big part of the social emotional learning is for them to be able to recognize their emotions, but then to also be able to solve problems in a way that doesn't always have to resort to like arguments and violence and things of that nature. Because there isn't a day that goes by where it's like, if a fight does happen that they tell me, well, my mom or my dad told me if someone hits me that I have to hit them back. (laughs) And I I deal with that every day. (laughs) And it's like, I can't be mad at that because that's the way I was raised also. I was raised. I know. I, I told my kids when they were little, "You all gonna fight? Go outside and fight." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I should have dealt with it differently, like for sure. But, <laughs> but yeah, I totally get where that comes from. I mean, it's okay to be to have those feelings um, of being mad or upset or hurt, but it's how you um, express them. You know, that's the part I think that we've have a disconnect, you know, instead of saying, well, he hit me. Okay. We'll hit him back. No, is let's use our words and say, Hey dude, that wasn't nice. You know, I don't want you to hit me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, well, I'm so glad that um, you're able to, you didn't shy away from the fact that, you know, you have your own personal um, troubles that you're dealing with, but you still found it in your heart to to take a job where you're helping other kids because you see where in your own life that that was neglected or that wasn't, you know, taken care of. And so now, you know, you can be a part of these kids, you know, these kids life and be able to help them in some way. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit to to make an impression on somebody, you know, mm-hmm. to make a change in their life. So yeah, absolutely. 
Right. Um, so if you could tell your younger self one thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> what would you have told yourself? <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> I would probably say that, um, that it's not going to get easier, but it will get better. Oh, that's, that's good advice. Yeah. I would, I would say that, um, because I feel like for, for anybody going through something that uh -huh. we, I mean, obviously we want like a way out of right. whatever mm -hmm. we are dealing with. Um, for me personally to get to the, to get to the place where I am now, it required me to go through a lot of different, like, processes and mm -hmm. um i unfortunately had to do with a lot of different types of trauma mm -hmm. and so that shaped me into who i am in ways that i don't like but i'm able to 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 change it and use it for for the better right um, right so yeah that nothing is nothing is ever easy that is something that I have to remind myself, but things do get better eventually. Well, I just think that is absolutely wonderful. And I love how um, you've used the Kintsugi mind, you know, mindset to apply that to your life, apply it to um, these kids, you know, or apply it to your church family or whatever situation that you're in. And, and, you know, and if we allow God, you know, to take those pieces and put them back together for us, I mean, our message becomes so much better and stronger. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that, I mean, you've given me inspiration because I'm like over here, like, oh, my God, I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, how can I use this to make, you know, to help somebody? And I really love that about, about you. I hope you continue with your podcast. Cause I just love, you know, listening to it. And, um, so how can, um, the people who want to get in touch with you, how can they reach out to you? Yes. Um, they can, well, the podcast, uh, Kintsugi talks podcast, uh, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Um, it is available to listen to on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, there's also a YouTube channel for it uh, mm -hmm. where um, I'm starting to like get more people to do interviews and stuff. And the visual version of it is something that people have asked for. So there's a YouTube channel for that now. Um, yeah. On Instagram is Kintsugi Talks Pod. Uh, if they want to follow my personal Instagram, it is Soroya underscore the underscore vessel. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a like mental health uh, ministry page um, called A Unique Vessel. Um, okay. That is is like A underscore unique underscore vessel. I use a lot of underscores in my usernames. Why? I don't know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it makes it, it well, it, 
first, I, I knew exactly why you do it because it gives you a space and it also makes it unique. So no one, it doesn't, if it's already taken, someone else can't, you know, you can still use it. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, no, I totally get that. So, I mean, what else would you, is there anything else like you have on your mind or your heart that you would like to talk about? You've had several diagnoses. Well, first of all, you grew up, you've had a lot of, um, trauma in your life personally and um and then you had some things happen from results of that so talk about your um diet you know when how and when you were diagnosed mm -hmm. with your um your personality disorder or your borderline personality disorder mm -hmm. so um i didn't receive the the bpd diagnosis until um August of last year. So the diagnosis is, uh, is fairly new. Um, yeah. Up until that point, I had just been living with the diagnosis of depression and anxiety since uh, 2016. Yeah. Um, what had led to the point of me even getting the BPD diagnosis is that I just felt like there was just something wrong. I was going yeah. through things that it just didn't fall in line with just like with it just being depression or just being anxiety. Right. So right. I took it into my own hands. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna look for a different psych uh, psychiatrist. And mm -hmm. um, the one that I have now, I told her that is like, I want to be uh, like reevaluated because mm -hmm. like I've been living with depression, anxiety for a long time, but I'm dealing with certain things that are just that it just doesn't add up. Right. And, and so she did the assessments on me. She reevaluated me. And uh, it was first narrowed down to either a borderline personality disorder or bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, with, with those two disorders, they are very similar. They literally have like the same symptoms. Right. The, on the only difference is that one is a mood disorder, which is bipolar, and then one is a personality disorder, BPD. Right. And so um, I appreciate that my psychiatrist, she took her time in making sure that she diagnosed me with the right thing, which it took, it was like about, like about like a month, um, uh -huh. about a month of just like really doing like a lot of like assessing a lot of like talking. Mm -hmm. um, and then she finally said, that's like, yes, you have borderline personality disorder. So up to that point. So when you heard that, were you like, I mean, Sometimes when a doctor tells me something, I'm like scared out of my mind. But then other times the, they might tell me something. I'm like relieved, like, okay, we finally have a name on this thing. Now I know I can start being more proactive. And what can I do to, to, for myself to make myself feel better? I mean, how did you feel whenever after that month of, you know, the assessments and everything? Um, and she finally said, okay, this is what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I felt relieved that I finally had an answer that yeah. made sense. Um, right. but then quickly after dealing with emotions of just like, oh, like now I'm going to have to like probably be on new medication and like with therapy, like, I don't know what type of therapy <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need now and, and all that stuff. Um, so there was a bit of a feeling of just like, oh, that I have to like, kind of like start over. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, because living with depression and anxiety for so long, but then 
looking back on it, like moments where it's like, I thought I was coming out of like a depression episode that I was like, oh, I'm fine. And to turn out that I was like, no, you were dealing with, with, uh, with uh, times of being manic because of your, yep. of your undiagnosed borderline personality <laughs> disorder. Um, so you were never really fine. Um, (laughs) so, um, definitely dealing with a lot of, um, with a lot of, uh, feeling like that. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely how it felt for me. I, I know when they start your new medication, I mean, a lot of it, it has, you have to take it for at least three to four weeks before you even notice any good effects from it. And sometimes, it, it's really frustrating because if you have something that's just not working, you're like, I just wasted three weeks, you know? And that was, that's one of the things about the, you know, um, those types of medication. I just, it's like once I start on something and it's like working 80%, I'm like, I don't want to bother this. I might not, you know, get back to this, you know, good effect. So did you have trouble with that or was your, you know, doctor really good about, getting the medications down right for you. Um, so when you started taking them, you didn't have to keep trying different stuff or different types of medication. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very careful in what mm-hmm. she wanted to prescribe me, uh, right. which again, I, I appreciate because um, with uh, the type of medications for anyone who has any type of diagnosis, whether it be BPD, schizophrenia, or even just depression, Mm -hmm. uh, the different types of uh, psychotic medications that are out there, they can be very intense and they can affect people very differently. Right. So for me currently, I am on four different types of medication and Mm -hmm. they each serve, they each serve a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit of trial and error as far as, um, the dosage of the medication, mm-hmm. Yeah. but, um, what is it that, um, the medication that I do take now, um, it does, it is giving me a bit of difficulty as far as like helping me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been on the medication now since August of last year. So I've been mm-hmm. on it for like a pretty good for like a pretty good amount, um, just the dosages have been changed. Right, so, right. Um, and then with my psychiatrist, her again being careful because uh, the side effects of taking certain psychotic medications can be like very severe. Like it could yeah. lead to like to add it on like physical health problems, like weight gain. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, like some things of them like are- that. Yeah, some of the medications. I know my son. He took one type of medication and he, he just ate all the time. And he he told the doctors like, I gotta, I can't keep eating like this. I'm like, you know, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And so they, they did change his medicine. And so we're in that, that phase now to, seeing if this new medication works and now it helped with him not eating me out of the house, you know, but um, so then the other parts of it um, he's still dealing with. So, would you say, um, so would you say that your life is like slowly getting better, you know, um, living with that? Um, I would say, uh, it's slowly getting more difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's slowly, it's slowly getting more difficult. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> That's I'm not in, supposed to happen. <laughs> I, I know. Um, the the realization that I came to a long time ago, like huh. like very early until like the beginning of like just my mental health journey in general, yeah. was that there is no one size fits all when it comes to medication, when it no. comes to treatment of any kind. And right. when it comes to uh, medication in general, that like I could find like a medication that can work for me. That I was like, oh, like I find one that finally works and it could work for me for years. But then mm -hmm. at some point it will stop working. <laughs> I know. At some point it will stop working. And so then I'm going to have to find another one and I'm going to have to continue with that process for however many years that God mm -hmm. allows me to be on this earth for. And yeah. that is, and that is something that I think a lot of people who don't uh, understand the, the um, like the neurological side of it a mm -hmm. lot because mm -hmm. like the medication works, but it's like the brain is a whole different thing with the, with the neurons and the, and the nervous system and everything like right. that. Right. So, um, that is that is the complicated part. That is like the the truth that a lot of people um, have to to live with. Whether even even with uh, like taking pain medication for oh, um, yeah. for an injury. Like I have yeah. a friend who recently she injured her knee, and the strongest thing they could give her was like six hundred milligrams of ibuprofen, which is yep. pretty much the same as buying over the counter Tylenol. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I, however, I think though, as time goes on, um, hopefully they'll come out with better medications that will last longer, have less side effects and be less destructive to your, you know, physiology of your own body, you know. So I think that is something to look forward to. However, I mean, we all know how long it takes for the FDA to to make their decisions on things yeah. so so um so i know that you um are part of a you know a church community so what is still um what is something that's still hard to accept when it comes to your faith in god i mean has this been a problem or you know me i'd be like why did you do this to me you know god come <laughs> on but we all know that he works differently than what we do so Yes. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say um, I've been through a lot of uh, different like trials and tribulations when it comes to my level of faith throughout mm -hmm. everything that I've been through up at this point um, relating to my mental illness diagnosis. Um, my church community is uh, definitely has played a big role in just mm -hmm helping me navigate my faith. Um, mm -hmm. One, to realize that um, it's okay if my faith doesn't look like everybody else's faith because right. everyone goes through something. Like it's, mm -hmm. it may not be the same thing, but everyone goes through something and that something can affect your faith either a little bit or a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I can say that I'm in like a, I'm like in a spot now where I'm just really um, looking to God, not not even to ask of like, oh, like why is this 
like why did you do this to me but just to to find a greater purpose and everything right yeah because i think that is like when you when you change your point of view from going to from asking god like why did he do this to me because mm -hmm. you ask a question like that to god it's like you're blaming him for what <laughs> has happened in your life well, that's just how i am like this ain't my fault <laughs> Yeah. See, that's where you're a better person than I am because you're like, how can I make use this to make someone else's life better? And I'm like, darn it, why am I have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I do some of the same. What you know, I have to learn the lessons over and over because I'm just a, you know, hard headed and stubborn. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, I told I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, like to get to this way of thinking that I have now. I mean, uh -huh. I still I still wrestle with it like every now and then. Yeah, like, it's still it's still very hard to get to a place where you're allowing yourself to try to comprehend what God yep. is doing in your life. Because at the right. end of the day, there is no human being that could fully comprehend God's mind. Because God's mind is all the way up here and we're just at <laughs> level zero. Like yeah. that's that's just how it is. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, it's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. I just want to let you know my goal is to help others who have found themselves at their lowest point in their life and provide them the tools it takes to get back up and start living again. I was in this exact same place in 2020. I did not think I had anything to live for anymore, but a 15-minute clarity call helped me realize I needed a change and I could accomplish those things in my life. I want to offer you the same free 15 minute call. So please go to my website, www.nikkiashrabowling.com forward slash free clarity call to sign up today. So, um, so I know and when we talked in our, our uh, early or other call, um, you said that you noticed there was something different about you when you were very, when you were young. So, I mean, what were some of those differences that, you know, um, you noticed or, you know, that was, that would set you apart from the other kids? Mm -hmm. Um. 
I I was I was thinking things. I thought about death a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like kind of like the main thing that is like I had a a self awareness that I was like, okay, I'm I'm different. Like I didn't call yeah. myself weird. I didn't call myself like crazy. I'm just like, okay, I'm different because right. Like it, like I, I didn't even have to ask like other kids. That's like because I know kids at the age of like five, six years old, they're not thinking about death. Like is <laughs> just just a little little bit of common sense there. Um, but um, I was also very emotional as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt my emotions very, very strongly. Um, right. And uh, what didn't help with that was the way that I was raised. Um, Mm -hmm. I was raised to kind of grow up very quickly. So Mm -hmm. when I got to like a certain age, like this this level of responsibility was put on me. Um, I did become an aunt at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So I had like my nieces and nephews that I was always being used as an example. Mind you, I had an older sister. But <laughs> I had an older sister, but all the responsibility and all this stuff was put on was put on me from a right. very young age. Right. And it's like anytime I like acted like a child, mm-hmm. like is it apparently was like you're doing that too much. Like you need to you need to relax. <laughs> I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at, I mean, cause like at that age, it's like, I couldn't talk back because it's like, it's, it's my mom, it's my older brothers. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, from, from a very young age, I knew that I was, um, I was very different from, right. from other kids my age. So did your family look at you and like, okay, this Arroyo chick is totally out there in left field or, that's just her, you know, they didn't realize that maybe you needed some extra help or anything or, um, or you're, they just thought, well, she's emotional. So they just didn't pay attention to the symptoms. I mean, how, how did that work out? I mean, do you remember them telling you, you know, okay, she's just overly emotional. Once you go lay down and take some time to yourself, you know, I mean, how did that work? Mm-hmm. So, um, um, let me start off by saying this, that in any minority community, uh, mm-hmm. mental health and mental illness is not talked about. Right. Um, and me being um, African-American myself mm-hmm. uh, in the black community, we don't, we don't talk about it. Is mm-hmm. like you, like you can ask like any person that is like my like I, I'm a millennial I'm 27, right? So growing up being a 90s baby, um, with my parents, well, with my mom, she's technically she was technically not not a baby boomer. Um, I think I think I think she just classifies a baby boomer. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> she probably is. My mom's a baby boomer, but I mean, if they're born in I think the 50s or 60s, that's they're considered a baby boomer. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, you're right about that. I during that time, like there was hardly no one talked about it. You know, being you know depressed or whatever. So yeah, I can totally see where the the 
where they they just didn't say anything mm -hmm. before then they would just take you away well where does Susie q go <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody asked they're just like oh she's not here anymore yeah <laughs> it's like, just <sighs> because growing up um the only thing that i kind of knew about depression anxiety was from media was from television and okay. the only thing i knew about depression is just people who are sad all the time only right. thing i knew about anxiety is people who who um, they think too much. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so for me growing up as a child, I was just sought as someone who is just very emotional. Right. And I wasn't really allowed to express my emotions in ways that a child should. Um, right. If anything, I was taught to suppress them. And I just yep. had to like, to keep on moving, keep on, uh, keep on pushing. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, that did definitely shape into uh, a lot of uh, traumatic responses that I deal with now. Mm -hmm. um, that when I look when I look back at it now, that I was like, oh, like I do this because I wasn't allowed to express myself as a child. Um, <laughs> I act yeah. like I act more mature for my age because I didn't really have a childhood. I had to grow up very quickly. Right. Um, so yeah, that um, that's definitely what it had the the effect on me. So there was so no how, talk of like signs or anything. It's like they just they didn't really deal with it. Right. Well, maybe they didn't reckon. Maybe they didn't realize it was a sign. Mm -hmm. You know. I mean, if you don't know anything about it, except a general sense of what you see on TV. I mean, Lord. I mean, TV doesn't even show you correctly at you know when someone is sick or whatever mm -hmm. um so i know that you work with kids so do you see have you seen or seen anything that you see yourself in them like oh my okay so oh, maybe yeah. you do <laughs> yes yeah. yes yes <laughs> um well how do you handle that i mean i mean call their parents hey I hate to tell you this, but this kid needs some help. <laughs> um, I do not have the the official authority to call the kids' parents and say, <laughs> "I think your parents need. I think your your child needs um, needs a therapy." Well, maybe I, maybe um, I wouldn't think you do that, but maybe you could be like, "Okay, let's give little Johnny here some extra love because he he's definitely struggling," you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I see a lot of myself in the kids um, yeah. as far as their uh, emotional and mental well-being. Um, mm -hmm. And dealing with kids who live um, in uh, New York City, where I live, uh, I work in the right. South Bronx. Um, mm -hmm. South Bronx, well, the Bronx in general is kind of notorious for not being the safest place to... Right to raise your kids. Um, right. It's gotten better only because of gentrification. That has gotten better. Yeah. Um, and with the, the program that I work for with the kids, I work with fourth and fifth graders. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of social emotional learning. Um, and a big part of the social emotional learning is for them to 
be able to recognize their emotions, but then to also be able to solve problems in a way that doesn't always have to resort to like arguments and violence and things of that nature. Because there isn't a day that goes by where it's like, if a fight does happen that they tell me, well, my mom or my dad told me if someone hits me that I have to hit them back. (laughs) And I I deal with that every day. And yeah. it's like, I can't be mad at that because that's the way I was raised also. I was raised. I, know. To I, I told my kids when they were little, you all gonna fight, go outside and fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should have dealt with it differently, like for sure. But, <laughs> but yeah, I totally get where that comes from. I mean, it's okay to be, to have those feelings um, of being mad or upset or hurt. But it's how you um, express them. You know, that's the part I think that we have a disconnect, you know, instead of saying, well, he hit me. Okay, we'll hit him back. No, is let's use our words and say, hey, dude, that wasn't nice. You know, I don't want you to hit me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, well, I'm so glad that um, you're able to you didn't shy away from the fact that, you know, you have your own personal um, troubles that you're dealing with, but you still found it in your heart to, to take a job where you're helping other kids. Cause you see where in your own life that, that was neglected or that wasn't, you know, taken care of. And so now, you know, you can, be a part of these kids, you know, these kids life and be able to help them in some way. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit to, to make an impression on somebody, you know, mm-hmm. to make a change in their life. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so if you could tell your younger self one thing, <laughs> and what would you have told yourself? <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> I would probably say that um, that it's not gonna get easier, but it will get better. Oh, that's that's good advice. Yeah, I would I would say that um, because I feel like for for anybody going through something that uh-huh. we. I mean, obviously we want like a way out of whatever Mm -hmm. we are dealing with. Um, For me personally, to get to the, to get to the place where I am now, it required me to go through a lot of different like processes. And Mm -hmm. um, I unfortunately had to do with a lot of different types of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so that shaped me into who I am in ways that I don't like. But I'm able to 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 change it and use it for for the better. Right. Right. So, yeah, that nothing is nothing is ever easy. That is something that I have to remind myself. But things do get better eventually. Well, I just think that is absolutely wonderful. And I love how um, you've used the Kintsugi mind you know mindset to apply that to your life apply it to um 
these kids, you know, or apply it to your church family or whatever situation that you're in. And, and, you know, and if we allow God, you know, to take those pieces and put them back together for us, I mean, our message becomes so much better and stronger. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that, I mean, you've given me inspiration because I'm like over here, like, oh my God, I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, how can I use this to make, you know, to help somebody? And I really love that about, about you. I hope you continue with your podcast. Cause I just love, you know, listening to it. And, um, so how can um, the people who want to get in touch with you, how can they reach out to you? Yes, um, they can. Well, the podcast, uh, Kintsugi Talks podcast, uh, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Um, it is available to listen to on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, there's also a YouTube channel for it uh, mm -hmm. where um, I'm starting to like get more people to do interviews and stuff. And the visual version of it is something that people have asked for. So there's a YouTube channel for that now. Yeah. Um, on Instagram is Kintsugi Talks Pod. Uh, if they want to follow my personal Instagram, it is Soroya underscore the underscore vessel. Um, mm -hmm. I also have a like mental health uh, ministry page um, called A Unique Vessel. Um, okay that is, is like a underscore unique underscore vessel. I use a lot of underscores in my usernames. Why? I don't know. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes it, it, well, first I, I knew exactly why you do it because it gives you a space and it also makes it unique. So no one, it doesn't, if it's already taken, someone else can't, you know, you can still use it. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, no, I totally get that. So, I mean, what else, would you, is there anything else like you have on your mind or your heart that you would like to talk about? Um, I would say, uh, for people that know me personally and hopefully from like the people who watch this, that, mm -hmm. um, that one thing about me is that I, I have like grown to be an advocate for mental health and mental illness in the Christian space specifically. Mm -hmm. um, because I find that even through my own personal experience and just the experience of a lot of people, there is still a bit of stigma um, when it comes to mental health and mental illness. Cause those are two mm -hmm. different, those are two different things, but they coincide oh, yeah. with each other. Right. Um, and I just feel that there needs to be more of an awareness mm -hmm. that like the institutional church should do more in like hiring therapists on site, hi hiring therapists to be a part of staff, mm -hmm. doing, doing sermons, doing groups where... Did you love this episode of Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay? Click the link in the description to check out my mixtape list already set up to get you started.